The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, Hour 2, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Let's talk Purdue football. Tom Deanhart with us as he joins us from goldenblack.com. Find Tom on Twitter at TomDeanhart1. Tom, going to be a big ball game in Lincoln. It'll be good to see you again, man. How you been? Yeah, been good, been good. Can't believe the season's over halfway over here. Uh, yeah, a lot on the line for Purdue. Probably a must-win for the Boilermakers, honestly. Two wins, there's five games to go. Have to go at least four and one down the stretch, and one of the games is at Michigan. So probably not going to win that one. So that means Purdue's got to probably win out against Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Indiana if it wants to get to six wins. Tell me about Coach Walters. Your impressions for him year one? What's been good and what's been a bit of a work in progress? I just you know he's he's a real upbeat guy. A lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy. You know he's only thirty seven years old, so. Really connected well with the players. Seems to have some momentum going with recruiting. Um, so, yeah, just, uh, again, uh, just a real player-friendly vibe. Now, not really sure how, how good of a head coach he is. Obviously, never been a head coach, and the staff is relatively young, too. So, just uh, just a lot of unknowns from a coaching staff standpoint. Sort of a work in progress. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But, um, yeah, did, did just some growing pains, I think, right now. Tom, it made it to Nebraska media yesterday, that quote from Ryan Walters about how he doesn't like Nebraska dating back to his days growing up as a Colorado fan. I want to get your take as somebody who's covered him all season long. Is that par for the course for him, or is that something new to to come out before a game and say, you know what, I don't like these guys? I really don't think there's anything really uh, nefarious about it. I mean, he just, you know, he, is, he grew up in Boulder, and his dad played for the Buffaloes, and you know, I don't think he had any malice in the, in the – uh, or any premeditation, and I think he's trying to send a signal. So, you know, he, he's not really a, a guy full of braggadocio or anything, or a lot of you know talk that's you know going to be insightful. So, yeah, again, he was just answering a question, and um, obviously, it looks like it caught the attention of a lot of Nebraska people. But so, yeah, I guess it is what it is. And um, you know, like I said, when he was growing up, Nebraska was the kingpin. I think a lot of people felt that way about the Huskers. So I know I know he's looking forward to getting out there, and, and he loves that environment. And uh, it's a big game for the Huskers, too. I think you guys have won four out of the last five. You have four wins right now. Looks like it's a good chance to get to a bowl for, for the first time since 2016, I think. Tom, when's the last time we talked when Nebraska was uh... – poised for or possibly poised for a bowl game <laughs> we've been doing this a lot of years and uh it's not been the case uh, tell me about about walters d and i i really love that illinois unit and i love that talent on the illinois unit a year ago how's he how's he brought that to west lafayette and, and how have the guys picked up on it is is the defense the strength of the team yeah you know he he developed that five-man front defense with the help of some other people Back when he was the coordinator at Missouri, um, well, you know, he worked with Barry Odom, worked with Eli Drinkwitz, and uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a scheme that he took to Illinois with him the last two years and had a lot of success there. You know, 
you know, the five man fronts, the two guys on the ends are actually linebackers, two outside linebackers with Buck and a Fox. And he has three interior linemen and those guards and two kind of ends or tackles. Then two inside linebackers, four guys in the secondary. And sometimes that second inside linebacker, they'll, they'll swap him out for a sort of a hybrid safety linebacker guy out there. If there's a plenty of team that's going to spread you out. And you like to get upfield and attack. So, um, you know what? Your schemes are schemes. You know, a lot of schemes work. Nebraska runs a three three five. It's about players. I mean, honestly, it's always about players, right? And Purdue just doesn't have that many great players right now. I think defensively, the front's pretty good, but the inside linebackers and the guys in the back end, they've had some rough patches back there. So, again, uh, he's still trying to flip this roster over, and there's been some real growing pains on that side of the ball. Tom, let's go to the Purdue offense and. The, the run game seems pretty solid for Purdue. Tell me a little bit about what folks will see on Saturday. Is is it poised to score some points, or has it been kind of a sputtering offense? It's been sputtering, honestly, Chris. Uh, I think, too, this defense are going to face pretty tough, especially against the run. So, And honestly, the run's been the strength of the Purdue defense this year, the Purdue offense this year. Um, you don't usually say that about the Boilermakers, but they've got two pretty good backs. Devin Mockney had a big game last year against Nebraska. He's running really well. He had some fumbling issues earlier this year, but he's sort of got his game locked in. And Tyrone Tracy, he's missed the last game and a half with a groin injury, but he's supposed to be back. And you know, there was a point where this year where Tracy was the number one back. He's a former Iowa Hawkeye, and he's he's got some moves. So they got two good backs. The line's been sort of a hit and miss. Hudson Card's been a solid quarterback. He just doesn't have many real good players to throw to, especially on the outside. There's no Charlie Jones or Rondell Moore on this offense. No real difference makers, guys who can take the top off a of defense. The closest to that that description would be Deion Burks, uh, number four. Watch him. And they've got some good tight ends. You know, Garrett Miller, number 88, he's probably a pro. But this defense, you know, I mean, this offense still just struggles to get that, those big chunk plays and too often has to try to drive down the field. And again, against defenses like Iowa and probably Nebraska's, I, I, I think that's going to be a lot to ask. Tom Deanhart's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio previewing what the Boilermakers are bringing to Lincoln on Saturday. And Tom, one of the things that Matt Rule talked about in his Monday presser was Hudson Card's dual threat ability, how that kind of worried him. He remembered recruiting Card whenever he was down at Baylor and said he could have played wide receiver in college if he wanted to with that kind of athleticism. Have you seen that the dual threat nature of Hudson Card this year with the Boilermakers? And, and what kind of threat do you think that poses? Is that, I guess, what Ryan Walters wants from his Purdue offense? Does he want that dual threat nature at quarterback? Oh, yeah. I think every coach wants that out of their quarterback, right? Um, and, yeah, well, Hudson Card's a terrific athlete. When he was early in his high school career at in Austin, at Lake Travis High School, he actually was a wide receiver and uh, got on the – obviously he was a quarterback by trade, but they just got him on the field because of his athletic ability. He was very good. So, uh, yeah, he's a guy who can extend the play with his feet. He can make something out of nothing if everything breaks down. He can execute the RPO for you if you want. He's, he's got good size, and he can make all the throws, you know. Uh, so he checks all the boxes, honestly. And he he, he got a little, little bit beat up here in late September against Illinois on September 30th. It was really hurting when they played at Iowa. Almost didn't play that game. And it was a little bit healthier for Purdue's last game against Ohio State. So he really needed his bye week. And uh, Coach Walter says he's good to go. So, 
you know what's going to be interesting to see if he has any new wrinkle for, for Nebraska here coming out of a bye. Um, like I said, this is a big game. They really haven't run any gadget plays this year, and uh, it's probably do or die time. So if Purdue's got anything that's holding back, now will be the time to use it. Like I said, they've had a couple of weeks to work on things, so maybe they'll have a new wrinkle or two to show Nebraska to try to give them any upper hand they can come into this ball game. Tom Deanhart with us as he is part of Gold and Black, has covered Purdue in the Big Ten for a number of years at Tom Deanhart One on Twitter. It's where you find him. A couple minutes left with him. And, Dom, a, a thought from your perspective. What's your take on Nebraska? What do you think of Rule? What do you think of year one so far? Yeah, pretty good. You know, um, how can you argue with his resume, right? State college PA kid, I want to walk on linebacker. What he did at Temple, what he did at Baylor, got the NFL. I know that didn't go that well, Carolina, but still to get to that level and get a job like that at his age, very impressive. And yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it looks like uh, this is a coach that can maybe finally flip the script there and working right. And I love the hire of what Tony White, the defensive coordinator from Syracuse, talked about that three-three-five defense a little bit. That's been the strength, it sounds like, of the Huskers this year. Um. Really good against the run. Tackle, they tackle very well. It's just the offense. Sounds like there have been some issues there. And the injuries, right? I mean, I've read the accounts of the offensive line injuries, the receivers. Uh, just been a real uh, a lot of attrition there. And, you know, the quarterback, big guy, 6'5", 215. You know, I'm told he's, he's faster than you think, too. <laughs> and he obviously is the, the hub of that offense, so, right? And Purdue's had some issues with quarterbacks who run the football. Syracuse quarterback Garrett Schrader, Luke Altmaier at Illinois had some success. Even Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin. So they've had some real issues, quarterbacks who can run. So they're going to have their hands full, I think, with that Husker offense. But, you know, again, I, I think both offenses are probably going to struggle a little bit. Um, and I think the new one is like 39 and a half points. Sounds like it's going to be cold, maybe a little bit of rain. So it could be a real uh, – classic, uh, you know, late October Midwestern football uh, <laughs> atmosphere weather-wise, it sounds like when this thing kicks off at 2.30 Central time. Yeah, and Tom, Nebraska's had a couple of those types of games here in recent weeks, maybe not with the weather, but that low-scoring, Big Ten West yeah. slugfest nature kind of game, and we haven't really seen that from Purdue. Maybe you could argue that 20-14 to 14 loss against Iowa was the closest that they got, but what do you make of, of Purdue and how they'll respond in a, in a game that is potentially lower-scoring slugfest? It could just be a couple of plays that really determine the outcome of this game. Yeah, it could be tough. He scored 21 combined points the last two games, so against Iowa and Ohio State. Um, yeah, you know, the, the thing about Purdue, if, if they get in a game that's going to be low scoring, it, if, and if it comes down to making a field goal, the Boilers are probably in some trouble. They really, I mean, the place kicking has been an, an abomination. There's no other way to really sugarcoat it at this point. The number one kicker's been hurt most of the year. He's supposed to be back and kidding Ben Freehill. But he hasn't exactly been a, a gem right now. A kid last game missed three field goals. All told, Purdue's three and nine on field goals this year, the worst percent in the Big Ten. They missed two PATs, the only team in the Big Ten to miss two PATs. So they're still really searching for answers there in the special teams as far as place kicking goes. That's something to be mindful of if this thing comes down to a one-score game and Purdue needs to try to kick a field goal to win it or tie it. 
Tom, I want to go a little bigger picture before we say goodbye on on the Big Ten. And what's your reaction? You've covered uh, Big Ten and uh, national stories uh, a lot of your career. What do you make of the Harbaugh-Michigan saga that's going on, the, the latest saga with the uh, the spy innuendo? Yeah, the, the, the latest saga is a good way to put it, Chris. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating, really. Uh, you kind of wonder how many how many teams actually do this, right? Mm. Uh, and, 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 and the evidence that, that apparently the investigators have of this, it sounds pretty fascinating, right? So we'll see where it goes. Um, I, I wonder, you know, boy, it's fun to point fingers and, and wonder about the advantage Michigan got. And even if it's proven to be true, What's going to happen in Michigan? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're not going to not let them win the Big Ten or compete in the playoff this year. Uh, I guess the, the only damage probably, and I'm just speculating, would be just mm-hmm. to the reputations of, of Harbaugh, and he probably didn't care. And then Michigan, you're always going to have that taint around Michigan, I guess. If this proves to be true, uh, um, that what they've accomplished in recent years is going to forever be tainted and, and remembered for being – you know, augmented by, by illegal scouting practices. So, yeah, it's just another crazy, funny storyline that that you never could have anticipated. And uh, here we are uh, trying to unfurl what actually went on and, and again, what, what the outcome could be for Michigan and Harbaugh moving forward. You, you have flights, uh, you have tickets purchased, you have footage yeah. of, of the uh, – <clears throat> The, the director or the, the scouting uh, expert, as we'll say. <laughs> and, yeah. and, he, and he's on the sideline, and based on formation, he's in the ear of the defensive coordinator, and they're <laughs> screaming pass. Now, if I had Ohio State's wide receiving core, like I did the last year and, and even previous years, I know it's going to be a pass on third and eight. <laughs> now, yeah. that, that said, they knew what was coming. And even a, a close-up shot on social media, it doesn't look doctored anyway, is a guide and a legend of hand signals. I mean, it is, it is 2AT meticulous. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's 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 going to be fun to watch the story continue to unfold here, from a fascination standpoint. And uh, again, it kind of one of the first things out of, out of my head was, well, how many other teams actually do this? Don't don't you wonder if maybe more of this goes on that we know about? Who knows? Maybe not. Mm. Um, maybe not. And again, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure maybe to a level, but man, to be that meticulous to to go to all those games, so premeditated. So well thought That's out. A good so word. So planned, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's 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 crazy, and um, yeah, just another layer to the to the Harbaugh conundrum, right? And the mystery, mysterious man he is. You think Iowa and uh, their push for what three twenty five is that the number? Uh, not going to be achieved, but Iowa's defense is bulletproof. They are incredible. Yeah, and, and and yet they they found ways to win in the past. Do you see the pressure mounting against uh, Kirk and company? Do you think uh, he may walk away at the end of the year? They just retire? I don't know. I, I, I've got no earthly idea what he's going to do. Um, it's always tough when these guys have been coaching somewhere for a long time. It never seems like it ends real well when somebody stayed a real long time. Mm-hmm. I always think of Paterno and Bobby Bowden and yeah. a lot of these longtime guys. You know, it's it's tough kind of interesting to see uh if and when if, if and when he steps down he's just been an iconic career right 
I guess more more to the point is the future Brian Ferentz. I mean, I, I'm not weeping for Brian Ferentz making nine hundred thousand dollars a year if he loses his job. I'm sure he's going to get a job coaching the offensive line somewhere. But obviously, Kirk wanted him to be his business. The guy who follows him in Iowa City, and that's not going to happen. So that's been a kind of fun, crazy story to watch and monitor too from Iowa City. Dom Dean Hart with us as he is part of Gold and Black, has covered Purdue in the Big Ten for a number of years at Tom Dean Hart 1. Tom, we'll see you in Lincoln. Bundle up, and thanks for a few minutes today. Sounds good. Take care, fellas.